In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me soon, I hope, is the ghost finder general himself, Mr. Richard Felix. We're still waiting for him to get beamed in from across the pond, as usual. Uh, he's probably had his third glass of wine and forgot the time, but who knows. Anyway, uh, we have a lot of things coming up, and we have a great show today. We have one of my most favorite persons on. Uh, he's a guy that needs no introduction, so I won't introduce him, at least not for a little while anyways. Anyways, uh, we do have a neat event coming up uh, this Saturday, and tickets are still available. It is a ghost hunt at the end Magnolia in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Actually, Magnolia, which is the part of Gloucester. But the interesting thing about this, we did a uh, uh, Halloween event here last Halloween, oddly enough, and uh, it was kind of cool. We had a, a lot of things happen, but it was more of a, a party than it was a, a ghost hunt. But when I put it up on my website, I got a call from this guy, and I don't know how he got, uh, he must have been on the website or whatever, but anyways, so as I called him back and started to talk with him, uh, he told me that he used to work there before when it was called the White House, and okay, looks like, Richard, are you there yet? I am, indeed I am here, sir, yes, everybody Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I was talking about an event we're doing Saturday at the uh, um, in Magnolia. I had put it out on my website, and, and this guy called me, and, and he used to work there when it was called the White House Inn, and he was a gardener. And he was, you know, this was unsolicited, and he just started telling me all about these how he used to see full apparitions of sea, sea uh, sailors, you know, fishermen, not like military sailors, but uh, fishermen, and uh, also women that, uh, that he thought that, that they were her, their girlfriends. And they also would see, like, people in the upstairs windows and stuff. So it was kind of a neat uh, conversation I had with them because, you know, it was unsolicited. Uh, and it's kind of neat to know, you know, what the past is about this. You know, it does have a past. It does have a history. It does have a legend to it, I guess. 
I'm there, just, I'm having serious problems. My phones have gone down. I'm obviously, I'm talking to you via Skype, um, but for some reason, can, can you hear me okay? I hear you excellently. Oh, I'm, you're breaking up with me, and I'm, I'm not hearing everything that you're saying. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll do my very best to, to continue. Um, but for some reason, um, I can't hear you very well. Okay, uh... We'll, we'll I heard that. <laughs> okay, what we will do now is uh, play an episode of Cemetery Tripping, and then we'll uh, see if we can straighten this out. Okay. I'll so. see what I can do. There you go. <laughs> Let's do it. See what it's like. Welcome to Cemetery Tripping where each week I will feature a different cemetery that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. As an avid taffophile or lover of tombstones, I spend a lot of time in the local New England area in the beautiful and historic cemeteries we have here. The stones here are like no others, and I have literally thousands of pictures of the intricate and symbolic carvings found on them. You can see my pictures on Facebook by doing a search for Cemetery Tripping. Today I bring you to Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a National Historic Landmark founded in 1831. It was the first large-scale rural cemetery in America, open to the public and inspired by Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris. The founders of this garden-style cemetery believed that burying and commemorating the dead was best done at a short distance from the city center, in a tranquil and beautiful natural setting. Natural landscaping with ornamental plantings, monuments, fences, fountains and chapels was set in place and was copied widely throughout the United States, giving birth to the rural cemetery movement and the tradition of garden cemeteries. Their popularity led, in turn, to the establishment of America's public parks. Mount Auburn is a photographer's and a taffophile's dream, with statuary at almost every turn. Angels, cherubs, children, and even dogs. There are over 30,000 monuments on the grounds, including a mini sphinx. Architectural embellishments in the various vaults, chapels, and mausoleums is amazing and is a study in itself. A visit in any season is stunning, but I find myself drawn back during the autumn when the vivid colors of the trees are at their peak. You can rent a self-guided walking tour, a one-hour car tour, or even sign up for a group visit. Washington Tower in the middle of the grounds gives a panoramic view of Boston and is well worth the climb to the top. Some famous residents of Mount Auburn include Mary Baker Eddy, Charles Bullfinch, Isabella Stewart Gardner, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Winslow Homer, Henry Cabot Lodge, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and Charles Sumner. When you visit, make sure to give yourself a lot of time. I would suggest an entire day at least and pack a lunch. At 175 acres, the cemetery is enormous and easy to get lost in. Maps are available at the front gate and office now strongly suggested. There is parking within the cemetery on any road without a green line. You can obtain driving directions on the cemetery's website at www.mountauburn.org, as well as other important information. And we are back. Uh, another... Ronald, Ronald, that was very, listen to to this, this is very strange, because your voice, I can hardly hear, 
when, when that um, when that uh, little snippet was on with that lady, I could hear her perfectly, and I can hear Eric absolutely perfectly. But there's something something haunting you that's making your voice sound different. Something um, wrong. Something very wrong. This is not good, my friend. So, <laughs> anyways, let's bring on our guest, and he'll straighten the whole thing out. After all, today is one eleven eleven. So without further ado, why don't we uh, bring on the legend himself, Mr. Jeff Belanger. Hey! Hey! How you doing? Oh, God, I'm doing well, sir. How are you gentlemen today? I'm, we're extra, I'm extremely well, but there's something definitely wrong with Ronald. Yeah, well, that we knew that. Yeah. Oh, you mean with <laughs> the connection? Right. Oh, right, of course. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's uh, things are well. Happy New Year to you all. Happy 1111. Yes. to you. Yes, so, so be a, good a haunting new year. Hey, it is. I'm sure it's going to be a scary. I, and uh, if you believe some people, we have uh, less than two years to go, right, till the end of the world. So we should make the most yes. of it. Hey, listen, listen, Jeff. Listen, let yes. me tell you. As a child, um, I probably still am. I was terrified. I, I'm frightened of ghosts, as you know, but I was also terrified of the end of the world. And I know you remember in the, in the good old days, I know I'm a lot older than you, they used to have uh, frequent uh, bulletins on, on the news, certainly over here, that the, the world was going to end and that the only people that would survive would be those that went up to the top of Mount, oh, I don't know what it was, Mount Ararat or something like that. Do you know, I was terrified. And I'm still a bit worried now. <laughs> Well, you know, it, let me let me get you uh, a little more frightened. Then uh, there's a group that oh, no. believe the end of the world is this is coming this May, um, well ahead of the uh, the Mayan calendar. Uh, they believe they've decoded the Bible, and uh, and it all points to uh, to the end of times beginning this May. So uh, we'll have to uh, keep our our eyes open for that, of course. Oh my God! Will it happen in all all in one day, or will we have a bit of time to get used to it? <laughs> I imagine, you know, if, if it was just a quick flash, it really wouldn't have much of an impact, would it? So, uh, no, Not really. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, a comet comes and takes us all out like a, you know, one, one cosmic swoop. I don't think that would, uh, that wouldn't be a good ending to the story. I'm thinking it would be long and drawn out. That's mm. not so bad. That's not, but I tell you what, I, I've got a, a, well, I had an acquaintance, guy that uh, about a year ago came over uh, from California. Um, he, he's an Englishman, lives in Cornwall, but he's also got a house in, in California. And he was telling me all about this 2012 business. And, I mean, true or false, I don't know, but he, he had people apparently that he knew in government, and apparently they are, they are digging... Um, shelters and bunkers and all sorts of things over there. Is, well, is it true or not? Well, here's the thing: the the, the Mayan calendar is a is a cyclical thing, um, <laughs> and and it does have a, a a very big ending coming around uh, in 2012. However, uh, the Mayan the Mayan calendar repeats. You know, I mean, there's nothing. There's really nothing to suggest. The Mayans thought the world was going to end about every 55 years. You know, and they would hold sacrifices and things like that to uh, to see if it would come around. But but here's the bigger problem. And if you're in government, uh, you know, uh, perceptions reality. Of course, if if the people believe the world is going to end, if a great number of people are certain of this, uh, then you have to be prepared because people may do crazy things. Right? Uh, so, some yeah. folks uh, don't like waiting around. <laughs> they may want to speed it up if they can. Uh, and that, of course, is is where the danger lies. You know, nothing right. to fear but fear itself. 
Right. Look at Heaven's Gate. Uh, when they thought that comet was going to uh, be the end of the world for them, they went and they castrated themselves, and then they killed them all themselves. And guess what? The world didn't end. So no, but no, Ron. What a no, waste. You're, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. It, oh, it, it did end for them. It, it did end. They were one hundred percent correct. That's they, true. Yeah, they were dead spot on. The world yeah. ended yeah. for them. I tell you what, guys, I tell you what, if someone castrated me, the world would be over for me. <laughs> you know what? It'd be over for them, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, At least well, for me. <laughs> but, that's, but that's the thing, and, you know, the, the, the perceptions. The, the, you have to remember, when you're dealing with anything paranormal, the power of story can never be denied. You know, it, yeah. it's so powerful. It turns things into reality. It's the reason we're drawn to certain locations, because we heard a great story, a great legend. Um, you know, we, we, we want to come and ponder Stonehenge, and we want to come see the ghost for ourselves in that old, yes. you know, that old 18th century castle or 16th century castle, whatever. Uh, it, it's, it's about becoming part of that story. And all of this stuff, religion, end of times, uh, you know, how, how things will end, cults, all of it play into uh, becoming a part of that story and trying to become masters uh, of our own domains, you know, of, uh, of saying, well, I, I've done the math, I believe the world is going to end this May, and I'm going to start living my life accordingly, and, um, and, and to whatever end that may mean. That's true. But of course, the big one that you must remember, well, you know this, you know, that, that, that we're talking obviously stories, myths and legends, Chinese whispers, call it what you will. But I mean, I'm, I'm finding more and more with, with, with stories and things that I'm, I'm finding out about that actually there's usually no smoke without fire. And there's usually some, it may, it may be tiny, basis of truth somewhere in these stories. And that's probably what frightens people. I, and I would take it even further is to say, uh, and this is what I've been preaching now for a couple of years, there couldn't possibly be these stories without some uh, catalyst, right. without something that happened. And, and the example I, I've given uh, many times is if, if we want to just flat out invent a legend, and, and here we'll do it right now. We'll say this morning I went to the, the grocery market and I saw Elvis and the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and a ghost all in the meat aisle dancing together, right? That, that's a legend. I just gave birth to a legend if I'm purporting it to be true. However, that story will never get repeated nor checked out because, first of all, it sounds ludicrous. Uh, yes. But most importantly, it didn't happen, and no one else is ever going to make the claim about this local market. You know, No one else is going to start saying, whoa, I saw it too, because it just didn't happen. Uh, so for a story to get legs and grow and, and walk, uh, it has to, to have, of truth. It, there has to have something that, that, that someone experienced. But usually, in, in most cases, someone else has to experience it too. Someone hmm. else has to go to that haunted building and say, whoa, you know, I, I saw... I saw that. Uh, yeah, I, I saw, saw this. <laughs> but, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. But doesn't, like, say you said that, right? So all these people started going to the aisle in this particular supermarket, and sooner or later someone's going to see something, and then they'll report it. And then, I mean, it's just like the, the legend of Bloody Mary. You know, where did that start? And why is it believed in, by so many, you know, young people? people yeah bloody mary is a great legend I, I love that example again and again because it's a it's it's a great story and when you talk about these far off wonderful haunted places they're far away for most people and difficult to get to but bloody mary you just need a mirror and a candle we all have that you know you could go try that right now during the show if you want uh I'm just gonna do it now okay get ready get, get your candle ready and let's let's talk about the 
the, the past before you actually fire it up and try it. This story has been circulating for a long time, uh, and it's intentionally vague. The story is based on uh, one version, suggests it's based on a, a girl named Mary Worth, who was a beautiful young girl who was horribly disfigured in an accident, and her parents felt she wouldn't be able to handle the sight of her own reflection. So they hid all the mirrors in the house so she couldn't see herself. And they... Uh, so so they do that, but Mary gets curious, and she goes around the house, and she finally finds a mirror, and she's so appalled at what she sees. She's, she's so taken back. She goes into the mirror looking for her old reflection and uh, and seeks revenge on anyone who ever summons her. Now, of course, it's, it sounds completely preposterous that someone could enter any mirror, let alone all mirrors, but it speaks to a lot of uh, deep-seated, um, you know, issues and, and uh, you know, archetypes, if you will, of humanity. Things like vanity, things like, um, you know, uh, our own reflection, are the eyes really the window of the soul, all of these things. But, but here's the kicker. I get emails from people, often young girls, uh, who say, I tried it. We had a sleepover, and we tried to summon Bloody Mary, and my friend got scratched. Or we saw something in the mirror, and I got so scared, I'm, I'm completely afraid of my own house now. So these, these events keep feeding this legend and keep people talking about it uh, to some degree. But that's the thing. And, and here's, even though it sounds preposterous, it's based on a, a loosely tied story to a girl that may or may not have ever existed. And you sit there and you say, when you get in front of your mirror with the candle, and, and, and try this, listeners. Try this when you're all by yourself, because mainly because I don't want you to be embarrassed doing it in front of your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. All alone, wherever you live, get a candle, get into a dark room with a mirror and say, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. And just think in yourself, be honest with yourself, right before you say it the third time, do you say, Oh man, what if? <laughs> Do you have that moment where you say, "What if this is true and I'm about to be attacked?" You know, now, that's that's something. It's funny you should say that because this is—I mean, you all, you both know, and and most of the world now knows that I'm frightened of ghosts. Um, right. And I think one of the problems for me is this business of no, no smoke without fire. In, a, right. in other words, I mean, I'm actually down in Derby Jail now, sitting, sitting in the condemned cell of Derby Jail, where lots of people over years have seen ghosts. Now, at the back of my mind, there's always this potential of, oh my God, they might be, they, they might be true. They may really have seen something. So here's me sitting here now, all alone <laughs> in Derby Jail, thinking, I've got the lights on, but... Jesus, supposing it's true, just supposing that for one instance that one or more of those people really did see something. So that means there's every possibility that I might see something. And that's, that's right. a frightening bit. Frightening and exciting and uh, intriguing and, you know, gets, you know, this, this is, the, and, and what you're really doing, I think, on a much larger scale, maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously, you're pondering the big question, what happens after we die, you know, and if you see a ghost, if you see what you say, okay, that's a ghost, what you believe is a ghost, the big question is answered, something. It's not the death is not the end. Uh, now, what comes next? We could debate that forever, and that's you know yeah. uh, all that other stuff. But something. It's not. It's it, and that's that's pretty big. You know. To, Isn't to it wonderful? That if that's the fa if that's the case. That's right. That's right. I mean, never, as you say, never mind what comes next. At least we know that we have got a key to that door, and once we go through that door, we may find something that's unknown. But at least we know that we're going on to something. Right. And that's what everybody needs to know. 
exciting, isn't it? And that, and I, okay. I, I know for me, that's what when I was in college, I almost became an atheist. I never quite got uh, to that point, um, but I, I, I came close. And and for me, it was all about uh, you, you know this. This ghost experience broke down religion, belief, spirituality to the least common denominator. You know, something. Something after we die. And it got me thinking about it. It got me looking for it. And I flat out said, I want to have an experience. That's why I'm doing this. I want to go see something for myself uh, because seeing is believing. And that's a big thing, big part of what got me into this in the first place decades Really? So tell me, what's happened? I mean, have you seen a ghost? I have. I have seen, I've had, you know, and I've been doing this for, gosh, 15 years now, been yeah. in all kinds of places all over, and I've had four experiences that I cannot explain in any other way. Uh, two of them were auditory, two of them were visual. And right. I, I can't explain them any other way than to say, you know, that's a ghost. And uh, when, I have, when something happens around me, you, you, you go through a mental checklist quite quickly. You say, okay, am I of sound mind and body? Am I, have, have I had enough rest? Is there someone else in here with me, a living person messing with me? Is there, is there a projector? Is there windows? Is there light shining? Somewhere? You know, you go through everything yep. in your Check head. Check the normal boxes. That's right. And you get to the end and you go, okay, <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, if that's not a ghost, I can't possibly tell you what I just experienced. And, right. uh, and, and it's amazing. I can close my eyes right now and relive any one of those four experiences. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and you tell remember us, it tell us more. I need to know more because, you know, I mean, I know, I know you quite well, but I've never, uh, never heard you. St- I mean, what have you seen, Jeff? The, what, the, what? Fir- the first time, the first time it happened was uh, 2003. And keep in mind, by that point, I'd been doing this. I'd been writing about ghosts, publishing about ghosts since 1997. So this was 2003, about six, six years in. Um, since I've been writing about ghosts. And uh, I was in the catacombs of Paris and and, and France, and I was down there completely alone, going through these tunnels lined with six million human skeletons. And I I saw, right, freaky already, and I saw a a shadow the size of a man move from the right side of the tunnel to the left and back again right in front of me. And very quickly I went through that checklist, and I said, okay, I know I'm alone, first of all, and these tunnels are so narrow if someone did walk by me, you would literally bump into me. There was no way that another human being could walk by me. And there was no offshoots to the right or left. So it's not like someone snuck by and then snuck out. There was just a long, straight tunnel lined with bones on both sides. Yeah. And it happened, you know, 10 feet in front of me as I'm of sound mind and body. It was in late morning, you know, all of that stuff. And I, I just, I, I, I froze. You know, every time slowed down, everything, you know, you go through it and you say, okay, I, I, I experienced something, and, and you take a deep breath, you look around, you collect yourself, and you say, well, that's the way out. I have to keep going that way anyway. Um, you know, you, you're checking it out, and it's the kind of thing that keeps sinking in. It's it sunk in for days, weeks, and months yes. Yes. after the effect because, you know, you get closer and you say, all right, collect yourself. Make sure no one's messing with you. Make sure there's, you know, is there some animal in here that could have, you know, cast a great big shadow? No. You know, no, 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 no. You go down the list, and, and I still think about that. What a, what a game. That was my game changer, that moment. Yeah, I'm sure. But I mean, tell me, what on earth were you doing down there alone? That's <laughs> uh, what I do. I'd been going to creepy places forever and never experienced anything. I, I find them interesting and intriguing. Oh. I, I love that part of it. Uh, and I still do, I st- because I want to have that experience again. Uh, yeah. But but no, I was down there because I was working on an article on the place, on the history and, and, and the yeah. hauntings. And I was taking photographs and, and going through a, a tour of the catacombs. And uh, I 
knew no one else in town. So that was it. It was just me. Wow. You see, that's something I, could, I couldn't do. But then, you see, I, I presume, Jeff, that joking apart, you're, you, don't have, you don't have a phobia about ghosts like I have, obviously. No, I don't. I want to see them. I want to have that experience again and again because it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's amazing. What an amazing personal experience. We're not, you know, uh, it is. Uh, it, it's, it's unforgettable and, and, um, and, and it forces you to really get introspective and think about things. And I love that. That's, that's, yeah. that's what keeps me up at night. Well, how does this work? Why does this work? Why, why do, why does not everyone have this experience? You know, but plenty yes. of people do, but not everyone. Uh, no, that's you know. so true. That's so, and doesn't it alter your outlook on on the on the whole of your profession, on on your writings, on your talking to people? You know, when you can actually talk first-hand accounts like like that, doesn't it alter it for you? Yeah, because you realize, okay, uh, I'm a regular person who who trusts my senses, and I believe most of the people I'm talking to are in the same boat. Regular folks who generally have nothing to gain by sharing these stories. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they have something to gain, and, and quite often they have something to lose. You know, credibility, professional uh, standings, or whatever. Respect. <laughs> yeah, respect. Yeah, of course, all of that. So you, you know, you, you talk to these folks, but when you look in their eyes and you see whatever it is that they experienced has has shaken them up and has has made them stay awake at night thinking about this again and again and again. Uh, you know, you say, well, you know, I've been there. I I I believe that you believe. You know, even yeah. though I wasn't there. And of course, we we can't say with absolute certainty that they saw a ghost, but you can see the effects. It's uh, a similar analogy. Is I always tell people, you can't see the wind. It's invisible. You know, it it. it there's nothing to see, but you can see its effects. You can see the trees sway. You can feel it hit your face, even though you can't see it. And and that's what I see when I talk to many witnesses. Yeah. I didn't see the wind, but I saw its effects. I saw the effect that this uh, ghost uh, had on this person. Yeah, that's right. And and again, like me and like Ron and like so many other investigators out there, you you, you soon see through the stories when people are. T- you, you know, we we've spoken to too too many people over the years, and you soon get to know those that are making it up, those that are lying, those that are just you know just telling you silly stories. You know, there's a reality out there that you know most people. Why would they bother? Why would they make fools of themselves by telling you silly stories unless right, they believe right. it, unless they saw it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, well, I th- and, and there's a whole, but there's a bigger part of this too, which is so interesting now because we've gone mainstream, of course. You know, with with uh, the interest in, in paranormal and ghosts, and, and we're out of the closet, so to speak. And I think, oh, very, yeah. So people have, have I think they've always had these experiences, and a question that's often asked is, well, are the are the experiences on the rise? And I, and I don't believe that. I, I just believe the ability to talk about them is on. Good the rise. man, good man. That's exactly exactly what I say. Twenty years ago, when I started this game, and I was doing, I've been doing ghost walks for the best nineteen years now. Uh, and twenty nineteen, twenty years ago, when I started talking to people, uh, if I had a group of forty people on a ghost tour, and I asked anybody seen a ghost, I'd, I'd be lucky to get three people put my hand up. Now. 19 years on, you get me 40 people and I ask you if they've seen a ghost, heard a ghost, I will get 10, 12, 15 people putting their hands up. Nobody laughs at them either like they did years ago. But it doesn't mean that more people are seeing ghosts. It just means that people are prepared to admit it. Right, right. And, and I, I agree. I think that's, uh, that's exactly what's going on. People are, um, you know, are, are, are willing to share more than ever before. But, but to me, even but, that part of it... On that subject, anyways, we're going to have to hold because we have to take a break right now, oh. guys. All right. Yes, you know, those things that pay the bills. But anyways, right, right. you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with 
Sir Richard Felix and Ron well, Cole. <laughs> and also the legend himself, Mr. Jeff Belanger. And we'll be right back after the following messages on TojiNet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Parrax family. Renowned and gifted psychic medium Sylvia Rossi explores the mysteries of this life, the afterlife, and the unseen world that surrounds us all in the show called Make Contact. With Sylvia Rossi, Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central here on Toginet. Sylvia Rossi with her special guests and other fellow psychics invite you to call in and make contact with the world beyond and get answers to your questions. Psychic medium Sylvia Rossi has been sharing her gift professionally for the last 17 years. Sylvia has made it her mission to help individuals and families understand their eternal connection to loved ones that have passed on, bringing relief and comfort to countless souls who have been touched by her gift. She's had the privilege of meeting and working with many psychologists who continue to recommend their clients to her when conventional methods have failed. Now it's your turn to make contact with host and psychic medium, Sylvia Rossi. Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Ron Kolick and Richard Felix. On Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. If you want to join us in the either the Pararex or the Tojinet chat room, if you have a question for our special guest, Jess Andrew, uh please do so. Or call in at 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. So, Jeff, you have a new book out called Legend Tripping, or no, picture yourself Legend Tripping, correct? That's it. That's the latest. So, I mean, how did you get into, I mean, you've always been the founder and chief bottle washer for ghostvillage.com. I mean, so is is it a, a large stretch to go into legend tripping versus ghosts? No, not at all. And, uh, you know, I've been interested in all kinds of legends my whole life. I just seem to focus on ghosts for the first, uh, you know, for, for a lot of years. And I, and I, and I love ghostly legends. Um, and I even love the word legend. You know, here's the thing. Uh, it offends some people, I found. Oh, don't, calling it a legend means it's not true. And, oh, nothing could be further from the truth. A legend just means it's bigger uh, than, than, it's, than it was. It's bigger than it, than it actually is. You know, regular people can be legends. There are musicians who are legends. Living le- legends, they're alive. You know, very, Eric Clapton is a guitar legend. Uh, 
right? I mean, Eric Clapton, of right. course, is an amazing musician, an incredible guitarist, um, but his legend is bigger than the actual person. So that's all it means. But but obviously, and, and Clapton's a perfect example, based on something quite real, someone quite amazing, um, quite beyond normal, <laughs> you know, uh, as far as uh, ability and, and things like that. And so uh, so it's a legend. And and I realize there, there's, there's ties between ghosts and aliens and monsters and Bigfoot. Um, there's there's a lot of things they have in common in that the story takes hold of the culture and and gets people talking and and sharing and looking for it and uh, and and I think that that's if we if we put it all on the table we're going to get closer to uh, to learning something even if it's just you know learning something for ourselves and so I started looking into other stuff I started getting more and more interested in uh, cryptozoology and Bigfoot and in UFOs and in uh, all of the and and religion. Too, I mean, you know, being raised Catholic, talk about legends. Holy moly! I mean, think about the saints. The saints alone. There's over, oh gosh, what, ten thousand, fourteen thousand canonized saints in the Catholic Church now. And keeps uh, growing too. And grow, yeah, right, growing all the time. Uh, these are people who did all kinds of things. Um, and one of my favorite saints stories is the legend of Saint Christopher, which is perfect. In fact, I've, I've stolen him from the Catholic Church. Uh, I know you're Catholic, Ron. I apologize, but I've, I've stolen him uh, and made him the patron saint of legend trippers everywhere uh, because he's a story. He's a story uh, about a, a guy named Christopher who was a big strapping man who said he wanted to serve uh, the greatest king alive, and so he found the most powerful king and said, "I will serve you." But then found that the king was afraid of the devil, so the story goes that he said i will serve the devil and uh he that went well because the devil was the most powerful thing around and then he found out that the devil was afraid of god so christopher said well then i'll serve god uh that must be the most powerful king around it's so uh you know quite the opportunist and social uh, social climber uh christopher said how can i serve god and god said you know you know you're a big strong guy help people cross the river and uh and you'll be helping everyone so he did and one day this little child comes along and christopher lifts him up on his shoulders and the child weighs so much it's it's he can barely make it he trudges his way across the river sets the child down and says why do you weigh so much child and he learns that it's because this was the the christ child who bore the weight of all the world on his shoulders and christopher helped carry that load for a little stretch uh thus making him now the patron saint of uh, travelers for uh, for catholics and uh, i think the patron saint of legend trippers for uh for those of us that go looking for this weird stuff, it's a great story. And how many of those St. Christopher medallions are in cars and, and, and do people carry uh, all over the world? Millions, right? Millions right. and millions of these things. I have one. I carry one with me. I travel quite a bit now. And I like knowing he's there. Call him a good luck charm. Call him anything you want. But, uh, but he's with me, and it's, um, it's, it's a great part of it. So, uh, so religion has these, these stories that have become legendary. Uh, and again, probably based on something. You know, uh, you know as Richard said, right, like Richard said, you know, there's smoke, there's fire. Um, so, uh, and so, so all that just became intriguing. And so it was my attempt to, number one, throw everything on the table. But number two, uh, it, it, it occurred to me, too, you know, when, you, when you've been doing this a while and you're in the paranormal community, there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of stuff that's really quite annoying. And it has nothing to do with the subject and everything to do with infighting and people being ridiculous and territorial and all that other stuff. And I said, you know, what do I like most about this subject? I like the stories. I like uh, talking to witnesses. I like learning about the history. 
So it was kind of an attempt to throw away everything I dislike about the paranormal and just focus on what I do like. So it was really quite uh, quite selfish. No apologies. Mm. So what of all the the things you go through in the book, what did you find the most enjoyable to write about or to you know do? Well, I liked branching out. I, I liked getting a little bit beyond my comfort zone of just ghosts. Uh, that was fun. And then getting into, you know, things that we might call urban legends like Bloody Mary, but also including religion, which I thought, boy, that that's, could be a bit controversial, you know, um, you right. know, throwing that in there because people can get quite offended, like I said, just by the word alone that, you know, hey, uh, you know, don't you dare call my religion a legend or just a story. It's real. You know, it's it's real to me. And uh, and so you know, all of that stuff. And realizing that uh, everyone who looks into these subjects, it, there's there's such a common thread between all of us. We're looking for big answers. You know, the UFO people want to know: Are we the only life in the universe? Well, anyone who thinks about it for a minute would say, well, that would be kind of ridiculous and inefficient. And nature tends not to be ridiculous or inefficient, you know? Um, but, but these big, big questions, are we alone in the universe? Do we have powers of the mind uh, that, that, you know, that we previously thought we didn't have? You know, the ability to move objects or, or create things out of nothing. Uh, is there life after death? I love it. That's the stuff I think about all, all the time. And, uh, and, and it was just, it was a blast. It's so much fun working on this. I, I, I now consider myself a legend tripper more than a, a paranormal investigator because I want to become part of the story and I want to have my own experiences when I do these things. I actually uh, quoted you the other day. I had someone on the Ghost Chronicle shows, the Wednesday night show, and they were talking about Spider Gates. And they, you know, uh, there's a lot of legend involved in Spider Gate Cemetery. Sure. And I think you handled that in the book quite well, uh, where you, I guess, proved it and disproved it in the same chapter. <laughs> yeah, isn't that cool? Uh, it, here's the thing. Uh, you, you, you come to find out, and Spidergate Cemetery is a great example of that. And there's so many legends about the place. And real quickly, uh, nine gates to hell around uh, Spidergate Cemetery, that um, uh, uh, a group of, uh, you know, people, a cult, comes there dressed in robes, chanting at night uh, to perform rituals, that uh, all kinds of rituals took place in the cemetery. There's a hanging tree where lots of people committed suicide. It, uh, the roads appear and disappear around it, all these things, on and on and on. And you look into every one of them, and you find out they're all true to, to varying extents. Uh, the, the hanging tree. Well, there was a rash of suicides in that town in the 1970s, but it didn't happen there. It actually happened across town. But over time, you know, these, these legends kind of combined. People said, oh, yeah, that creepy spot in the woods. Um, you know, the, the, the group of people in robes and candles, that's absolutely true. They're from a local university and, and kind of like a fraternity coming to pay homage to the founder of the university at night without permission. And I've spoken to police officers who've come in to, to break them up. But imagine you're a 13 year old kid sneaking out to go look at the cemetery and you see these guys chanting holding candles in the cemetery oh you'd never forget it you know and it, and it did happen it happened plenty uh, it probably is still happening even though they've been run out of there numerous times um, the roads appear and disappear totally true this place has been uh, shut down since the 1960s if you go there in the winter uh, you'll see where all the roads are quite clearly if you go there in August, the the grasses and weeds and everything will be chest high, and, and you can hardly tell where they were anymore. So the roads do appear and disappear. Nine gates to hell, totally true. There's all these gates throughout there shutting off all these old closed roads. So 
you, you find the roots to all these legends and realize, yeah, there's something to it. And then, you know, it's an old, you know, it's a 300-year-old cemetery. What, what three centuries old self-respecting New England cemetery doesn't have a, a ghost or two attached to it, you know? So it's, um, it's, all, it's all part of it, part of the, uh, the legend and the experience. So, Richard, you still with us? Of course, I'm still with you. I'm fascinated. Well, Where is this cemetery? It's in. Uh, oh, sorry. My apologies. It's a. Uh, it's in a little town called Leicester, Massachusetts, which is right near Worcester, kind of central part of the state here oh, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. Sounds absolutely fascinating. Really does. I mean, you you must be uh, have a lot of legends in in the U.K. yourself, Richard, that that are based on facts. Yeah, there's so many, but I mean, very, very quick, I'll, I'll try and be brief with this. I've got something that, that's um, just been proved, um, a bit of a legend, and it's, it's literally 200 yards away from where I am now. Um, there was, for many, many years, there was um, an old uh, Baptist chapel, which was demolished in 1873 for the railway to come through. And at the bottom of the road here, the, for right up until last September, there was a, a huge big black of concrete um, at the side of a, of a house. And legend had it, and I've used it on the ghost walks for the best part of 18 years, um, legend has it that um, a lot of the bones that were dug up from the graveyard, nobody, they were paupers' graves, so, so nobody bothered with the bones. They left them up against a wall, lying there, until one day a good Catholic boy, one of the navvies working on the railway, shoveled all the bones into this uh, concrete and formed it into a big black block which was up until last September still there. Now, this was the story that I told on every ghost walk because the supposedly the ghost of an old man and two young boys uh, hand in hand walking around the area. Last September, I got a phone call from the local newspaper uh, saying, Richard, tell, tell us, what, what's this about these coffins? And I said, where, where do you mean? The coffin's in Agard Street, this is, which is this road I'm on now. I said, no, 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 you've got it wrong. It's not coffins, it's bones. There's supposed to be bones in the concrete. She says, no, 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 it's coffins. They found five coffins inside the block of concrete. I said, pardon? She says, yes, they just knocked it down because they're building a road. But it's not a block of concrete, it's a crypt. Oh, with five wow. coffins still in it, lead-lined, leather-bound, studded, coffins, an old man, his two sons, and his two wives. Two wives, all in this, and there was me down there that day, inside the crypt, taking photographs of it. There they are, real. Now, okay, the legend wasn't quite true. It wasn't an Irish navvy, he didn't shovel the bones in, but that block, it wasn't a block of concrete, it was a brick-built crypt that over the years, from 1873, had been painted uh, over and over again, it looked like a black block of concrete, and it had been up against the railway line all those years. But it, you see where I'm coming from? No smoke without fire. The right. legend was not quite right, but we've now got to the bottom of it, and now we think that the, the ghost is the old man walking along with his two boys that's been seen. So there's something in it, guys. You know, that's just one of the many, many legends, but that, that's reality, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I love, I mean, I love stuff like that where, you, you know, you wonder, is it, is it some collective consciousness that we're tapping into that lets us know there, there's something here, uh, even though no one's alive that remembers when it was put there, um, the, the, like the reason for it almost hangs in the air, right? you know? Is, is that the ghost? Is that, I don't know. I, it, it, all we, of course, we can only ponder the theories of 
we can't uh, know for certain, but you know, this is uh, this is what keeps you drawn to this subject. You love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the beauty of it is, you see, that it that it adds so much to the the reality, the credibility, if you like, of the ghost stories. Um, I've got another amazing one of a policeman that was murdered in a police station in Derby. And, and for many, many years, um, this guy used to see them in, in his workshop, which was built on the, on the site of where the police station was. And we, I went into, into it, found out that, yeah, absolutely true. In 1879, on July the 12th, 1879, PC Joseph Moss was actually shot in a police station. And he died the day day afterwards, and um, his ghost is, has been seen frequent. But the reality is that when I go into the story, it's the only murder of a policeman ever to, to take place in Derbyshire, and he was the only policeman ever murdered in a police station in the whole of the British Isles. So the ghost story has added to the reality. And since then, I've had a plaque put on the site to commemorate the murder. I found his gravestone four years ago, which was completely trashed, um, had a new gravestone put up there, and guess what? The haunting stopped. Hmm. Nobody's seen the ghost since. Yeah, again, yeah. Myths and legends, but reality. Hmm. Yeah. So, so Jeff, I mean, Jeff. Now he he's saying it's actually a causal effect, though. He he had the uh, gravestone erected, took care of this, and then the haunting stopped. Have you run into the circumstances? When you were writing that book, where, where you believe that has also happened to? Where, where something... Well, you know the funny thing? The, the only way a legend goes away uh, is if people stop talking about it. Um, yes. but th there's no other way. Uh, it's, it's the... Um, uh, that, that's how it works. So if, if a building is, is having a ghostly experience, and the last experience was 15, 20 years ago, uh, the last time someone talked about it, people may say, oh, I kind of sort of heard that place was haunted by something. I don't know. Give it another 10 or 20 years, and no, one will, no one's going to talk about it anymore unless something else happens, unless there's, you know, there's something to reinforce that legend. So if, if something uh, cures it, if putting the, the gravestone uh, you know, or, or showing respect to, or acknowledging the dead um, you, you know, puts, puts us at peace with it or whatever's out there at peace with it, and it stops, people will stop talking about it. Um, the legend survives until we no longer discuss it. And, and somebody just uh, in the, the uh, Parax chat room asked what this book was called, and once again, it's called Picture Yourself, Legend Tripping by Jeff Belanger. And it's available everywhere, right, Jeff? Yeah, it's all over. You can check it out on, uh, on you know, Amazon and, and Barnes and & Noble and all that fun stuff. Right. Does that come with the uh, DVD as well? Well, funny you ask. Uh, it does come with a DVD. The DVD is included. It's in the back, and, and that was a lot of fun too. Because this is such a visual thing. Um, you know, Richard knows all the all the DVDs and things that he's produced. You know, you go out to these places. It's a it's a it's a it's a buffet for the eyes and ears and all the senses, really. And um, you know, sometimes film is is the best way to get in and, and show these things. That's true. That's very true. Right. I mean, you both have worked in the uh, TV industry. Uh, do you think uh, that that is a great media to enhance legends, to dispel legends, or is it doing harm? Is it doing or helping? What, what do you think? 
nothing. It's, it's, it's changed nothing. It's um, you know these these stories and legends have been around for thousands and thousands of years. The medium of which we discuss them has changed certainly. Um, you know the, the stories can spread a lot faster than they used to. You know in the old days it was you know you you told someone you trusted in, in your neighborhood they told someone else, and these things could take you know many years for for them to grow up to adulthood. Um, but now, boy, you know you experience something this afternoon tonight. You post it on the internet. Some TV show catches wind of it, puts a show up on it. Uh, you know, two months later, the whole world knows about it. Um, you know, it can certainly accelerate things um, and get a lot of people curious and interested to come experience something. But I still contest that unless others experience it, that legend will go away, no matter how how popular it gets. And and you know, with, with TV shows, just like the nature of folklore. I'm, of course, there's there's going to be some nature of embellishing, or, or choosing what parts of the story to tell or not to tell. Um, you know, that's that's something that we all do. You know, if you hear a great ghostly legend from the town next to you, and someone's asking you about it, you're in a sense playing editor. You're saying, uh, you know, well, this is a relevant part of the story. That one is not relevant. Um, this is the part I find most intriguing. Or you may even editorialize and say, yeah, but it's all bunk. You know, no one ever really died there. They can't prove any of that. I think it's just the story, you know, or you may say, whoa, I actually experienced something, and you may give that legend a shot in the arm. So, uh, you know, TV is just a part of the medium uh, equation today, and, and, and will continue to be, just like the Internet is, just like the telephone is, newspapers, books, uh, and oral tradition. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I just completed my book, uh, Ghost of the Day, which came out in September, and it's basically 365-shot little tidbits about different haunted places concerned with a particular day. One other thing was about the devil child in Chicago, and there's a story in it that's, that's based on a um, newspaper article, okay, which grew into a legend, which became the movie Rosemary's uh, Rosemary's, Rosemary's Baby, Baby, yeah, yeah, right, really? and 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 then now is out in my book. So this this thing started with a newspaper article uh, on supposedly a devil child, and since then has grown well over 200 years or 100 and what plus years, whatever, and it's now 2010, and I've just re-vaccinated uh, the uh, the uh, legend. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, no, and and this, and you know that's not the only devil child legend. Of course, the New Jersey devil, the the Jersey devil, rather is, um, you know, that's that's a that's another story about where you know, the story goes. A woman said, "I would rather give birth to the the devil's uh, child than yours," um, and she did. You know, she gave birth to this creature that then launched. That's that's the uh, that's the story anyway, and uh, you, you know these these things go around, and and uh, the legend fuels fiction. You know, boy, look at the movie The Exorcist, right? I mean, that was loosely based on a on a true story, and Amityville Horror loosely based on a true story. We're we're captivated by these stories. We we want to see them in every way, shape, and form, even if if we know that that it's it's a it's a fabrication, like in the case of the Hollywood movies. I think that perhaps the internet is probably doing more harm to the truth and if perpetuating the legend. For instance, um, the, the reason I said this is Wikipedia. Uh-huh. We're all familiar with Wikipedia, right? Sure. And and, and what is your belief about Wikipedia? First of all, Ron, anything you read on the internet is true. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. I mean, 
if you look at Wikipedia, Wikipedia is actually made by people. It's not a like a a uh, you know the, the the encyclopedia that we had when we were kids, which was made by people, but at least it was based on more fact. Anybody can enter it, and and I've noticed many many times in, in Wikipedia that some of the entries are blatantly wrong. Sure. And so people read those, and, and maybe they're writing a book like me, and they're taking information from there, and, and they're basing their new book on false information, which is creating, you know, truth out of an error. Well, again. <laughs> you just blew my mind, Ron. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is uh, this is a deep discussion. No, you're right, of course. And and uh, and, and you know that's and, and like anything else, uh, people are going to. To um, learn to trust or distrust uh, the delivery person, you know, and, and in this right. case, who is the delivery person? Is it Ron Kolick, uh, uh, you know, an able researcher, or is it, you know, someone else who, you know, I mean, that's, uh, hey, come on, there's plenty of books that have, uh, people always used to, remember when, when you were a kid, someone would say, oh, no, I know it's true, I read it in a book. <laughs> right. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> and, and now you're all grown up and you know lots of authors and you go, yeah, I know plenty of authors that got stuff wrong. You know, right. uh, being in a book, book does not make something uh, completely factual, of course. But, um, you know, yeah, I that's... I believe it, that's, it is because it's in print. That's the trouble. That's right, yeah. We trust the printed word, which is what made the Internet so dangerous, I think, is because it was yes. it was the printed word, although online, and not vetted by an editor or anything uh, in yeah. many cases. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about this this whole thing is is that, for instance, when you, when you were in the catacombs and and you witnessed the shadow, I mean, you reported it, and, and that's what it was. Uh, like in World War II, when uh, it was reported by the victors, so, I mean, it was looked at at one point of view. It, you know, a lot of the stuff that was really personal things are no longer personal things. It's not a personal experience. It's it's a report from someone who said something, and, and it goes on and on. And, and it, sometimes when it gets farther and farther away from the source, it, it gets deviated. Sure. Yeah, of course it does. And and but that's the nature of of any story. Stories change and evolve. Every teller, uh, you know, puts their own fingerprint on the story and uh and and that's the nature of it. And and that's why we live in a very exciting time if you're into paranormal research because we have the ability when someone has an experience today, they're going to look for people like Richard, like Ron, like myself because we're out there, we write books, we, you know, have have shows and stuff like that, and they say, I know you're interested in this stuff. This just went down today. We're not talking about legends that took place decades or centuries ago. This happened this afternoon, and we have the ability to get there quickly and get to the bottom of it or, or you know, really document it as closely as you'll ever document it, not having been there you know, yourself. Um, what an exciting opportunity. These great stories and legends that go back a long time, they're, they're to be appreciated, to be shared, to be looked at and examined. But, you know, paranormal research has that has the chance to really document these things well, uh, if we can, and quickly uh, after they happen. What a, what a cool, you know, time to be alive. Yeah, very much. I mean, it's, you, know, you know, you can get a phone call this morning and you could be around there this afternoon. Um, right. And, and, and research it and spend the night and, and possibly even, I don't know, witness something yourself. You never know. And, and that's the beauty of, of, of today. You know, we can do it so quickly. Right. And, and email and everything gets us so yeah. con- interconnected. Uh, you, you know, we've got digital digital video cameras, digital, you know, 
phones and and, uh, and cameras. We can take pictures and get them uploaded and shared. You know, a, a legend can go from from nothing to everything in, in hours. Yeah, but, uh, and the other one, of course, is that we're now talking not necessarily of, of creepy castles and old haunted cottages and things like that. We're talking about student accommodation in a university. We're talking about a, a modern-day hospital, uh, a block of apartments, uh, you know, where people are seeing ghosts now, today. And, and that, again, is, as you quite rightly say, Jeff, very exciting. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the the, the rules are, are out the window. People, you know, yes. it doesn't have to be centuries old torture chambers to be haunted. It can be new construction. It can be all kind of apartment buildings. You name it. And uh, it, boy, if if there were rules to all this, um, I don't know what they are. <laughs> and, and if right. there are, I wish someone would tell me. But uh, the shirt doesn't seem to. And, and, you know, the internet does help. I mean, for instance, I, just in the beginning of the show, I don't know if you heard or not, but we're doing an event at the, the Inn Magnolia in Gloucester, and of course, I put it up on my website and everything, and somebody who worked there when it was the White House and before uh, had his own experience, and, and yet he found it on the Internet and, and was willing to call me and, and wanted to tell me about these experiences that he had. So here is a, the opportunity to, uh, you know, recruit new data that wasn't out there before. That's right. That's right. Very exciting. So anyway, you're not going to believe this, but we've run out of time, Jeff, and, you know, uh-huh. we... I uh, really do appreciate you coming on. Uh, once again, your book is called uh, Picture, Picture Yourself. yourself. Right, and, and you've written several other books, too, uh, I, would, I would care to say. And anything you want to, uh, what's your website? Uh, you can go to ghostvillage.com and check us out and, uh, and see everything that I have going on. There's lots of events coming up this year, new projects all the time. And, uh, and I, love, I love meeting people and, and corresponding with folks that are looking into this and having these experiences. It's, uh, it's just a blast. So thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. And, and if anybody who has not seen a lecture or, or a uh, presentation by Jeff, it, it's really uh, a, a good experience. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of presentations, and, and Jeff, yours is always, always, always entertaining. And, Couldn't agree uh, more. Yeah. Well, thank you, boys. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just fun to get out there and talk about this stuff. It's exciting, and, uh, and I love doing it. So, so thank you, guys. Thanks for All right, having thanks, me Jeff. part of this. All right, take care. Good to Jeff. See you You again soon. Cheerio. Well, that was cool, huh? That was great. That was good. That was very good. So what do you got on then? What are you doing in the near future? Oh, well, before we get into that, you know, I think what you ought to do, and, you know, I couldn't help wait to tell you about this. You know, you're at the Derby Jail, right? You do these little ghost stuff and everything else, right? Yes. So why don't you include as part of it the... The Bloody Mary experience. Get a jail cell, put a mirror in it with a candle, let one people, yeah, one people, one person go in there, and maybe, maybe put an IR camera on them so you can see it remotely, and, yeah. and let them have their own experience and see what happens. That was all by themselves in there, a mirror, a candle. And I will do it. I think do it live on air next week. I think it's a great idea. You know, you, you, you can't do it. You, you have to like uh, videotape it or, or something or run a feed yeah. from it. But I, I think that would be an awesome thing to do. And uh, you know, I That's would certainly a good idea, my friend. That is something I would definitely love to do myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, we will have a go. I'll have a go myself first, see what happens, and then we'll, we'll, we'll video it and see if we can get something on. But uh, sounds good. I'll tell you what, very quick, if I've got time, I'm just embarking on a new tour. Um, it's called, well, would you believe it's called Wales from the Jails? 
Really? I'm going around Great Britain doing haunted jail tours, different haunted prisons around 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 England and Scotland and Wales uh, this year. We just we just announced it's going to be on the website in the next few days. Quite excited about that. You should be. It sounds like a blast. I, gee, I wish I was over there. I mean, I'd well, love yeah, to see that. I told you you've got to come over. I know, I know, I know, I know. One so day, anyway, uh, tune in tomorrow night as we uh, have uh, Jane Joyce on and we talk about her new book uh, the, uh, on the paranormal and also we have a witch and we're going to talk about uh, the end of the world which will be coming up as well. Very soon. So, <laughs> good night and God bless everyone. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Of love and sleep.